Okay. All right. So, um, to start getting ready for Lag Boimer. You're ready for Lag Boimer means you're getting ready for Shavuos. You're getting ready for Shavuos means you're getting ready for, uh, for Mashiach. So, you know, to get ready for Mashiach. So, um, now as I was uh, sitting down uh, to prepare for this today, so, so I think it's going to be a two-parter. I think that's the plan. It's going to be a two-parter. So tonight what we're going to learn is sort of an idea. Okay, an idea related to Lag Boimer of Shemin. And then Bez Hashem next week, we'll sort of see the practical <laughs> applications of this idea. More in terms of Avoida, how we uh, in our personal lives can sort of uh, try to be makash ourselves to this. <clears throat> Bez Hashem, we'll take it from there. Okay, so let's begin like this. In Marmokka number one, you have uh, at least a part of a very famous Gemara regarding Rishon Baruchai. So everyone knows that Lag Boimer. <clears throat> What's interesting about Lag Boimer Bechlal is that it, it's a yontif, which, again, if you had to pick one tzaddik, that's the, uh, you know, that it's his yontif, it's certainly Rishimim. But there's another tzaddik that's also sort of thrown in the mix of Lag Boimer, and that's Rabbi Akiva, right? So the two, the, the, the famous songs of Lag Boimer are definitely, you know, Rabbi and, and Rabbi Shimon songs, but there's also Amar Rabbi Akiva, Shrechem Yisrael. So we have this relationship between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shimon, in Lag Boimer. So on a simple level, first of all, again, Lag Boimer is a day that is Rosh Shimon's yard site, and the day of his yard site, it's the day that, that his Torah is spread forth, and it's also the day that the students of Rabbi Kiva stop dying. <clears throat> so we have this, uh, this relationship between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shimon. So we have to delve deeper into this to appreciate a little bit more about this relationship. What is it about Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shimon that they share in common this bond between them. In fact, there's a, there's a Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi says that when Rabbi Akiva, after he lost his 24,000 students, so the Gemara says in Yuvamis that he went to the south and he started again teaching five students. So the Yerushalmi says that when it came time for him to give smicha to his five students, which, by the way, one of the traditions is that Lag Baimer was the day that he gave smicha to the five students afterwards. That's also a simcha of Lag Baimer. Again, Vaiter, Rabbi Akiva, passing on his Torah to the next generation. So uh, the Rishami says that when he gave smicha, he gave, the first smicha he gave was to Rabbi Meir. And the Rishami says that Shimon was looking on the side, he felt a little bit dejected that he wasn't the first one. So Rabbi Kiva turned to Rabbi Shimon and he said, Dayach, it's enough that me, you, and the Bari Oilam know who you are. So, that's, uh, so there's definitely this bond between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon said that in Chazal, the Gemara says, Rabbi Shimon says that a person should take his Torah very seriously, Rabbi Shimon's Torah very seriously, because his Torah, said Rabbi Shimon about himself, is Trumas Mitrimoisa Shel Torah is the, the concentrated essence of the Torah of Rabbi Akiva. So when we talk about Rabbi Akiva, it's not Rabbi Akiva's Simcha of Lagabaymer, his students stop dying, he gives Smicha to the next generation. And then there's another Simcha with Rabbi Shimon, it's his yard site, and we're celebrating his Torah. It's one of the same. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Akiva is one of the same. So we have to uh, figure out what the relationship is exactly. Okay, so when it comes to Rav Shimon and Lag Boimer, so uh, there is the Gemara of Lag Boimer, is the Gemara in Shabbos, Taflam and Gimel. The Gemara says the famous story of Rav of Shimon, how he found himself in the cave for 12, 13 years. And that's the, uh, and that's whenever there's a tradition in Chazal that there's two Rav Shimons, you know. There's Rav Shimon pre-cave, and then there's Rav Shimon post-cave. The tradition is, the Chidah brings down, that in, in Shas, whenever you find whenever you find Rabbi Shimon recording the Gemara as just Rabbi Shimon, that's pre-cave. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, or Ben Yechoi, that's post-cave. Okay. <coughs> so, so we have to figure that out. So let's take a look in the Gemara. Maramaka number one is at least the beginning of that story. 
I'm assuming that we're all familiar basically with the, you know, the, the, you know, the basic rundown of the Maisa, but at least the beginning of it. So the Gemara says like this, the Yasu Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yasi, Rabbi Shimon. So you had three Tanoim, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yasi, and Rabbi Shimon. They were sitting together. The Yosef Yehuda ben Gerim Gabayu, and another person, not a Tana, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim was also sitting there. So you had the three Tanoim, plus this uh, person, Yehuda ben Gerim. Pasach Rabbi Yehuda v'Amar. So Rabbi Yehuda begins the conversation, and he says the following thing. How, he says, like, it's, it's, we have to be makir toiv, we have to have a karsa toiv. How, how beautiful are the actions of this nation, of the Romans? What's to be, what's, what are the Romans to be praised about? Tikkun Shvokim, they made, uh, they made marketplaces, Tikkun Gisharim, they also made bridges, Tikkun Mechatzais, they have bathhouses, well, everything to make a civilized society, they did all these things. So we have to be makartai, we use them too. Rabbi Yaisi Shasak, Rabbi Yaisi hears this, but he doesn't say anything. Not agree, not disagree, he's quiet. Roshim Barichai answers, that kol mashatiknu leitiknu el tzarchatzman. Everything they said, everything they did, don't they don't deserve the praise? Everything they did, they did for themselves. Tiknu shvakim lahisha ben zaynus. They made marketplaces to have uh, brothels, place of um, you know of znus. Marchatzayis. They have uh, bathhouses. Ladim ben atzman to make themselves uh, feel good for their own personal pleasures. Gisharim bridges. Lital memechas to take excessive taxes. That's what they're there for. So everything we don't have to be makertoif. So Gemara says, Amaisa, Holach Yudah ben Geirim, Sipur Tivrayim. So Yudah ben Geirim that was there, so he tells, he says over to other people what he just heard. The Nishmul Malchus, the Romans hear about this conversation. Amro, and they make the following decree. Yehuda She'ila Yisala, Rabbi Yehuda that said good things, he'll be raised up. And that's what the Gemara, in the context of the Gemara, the Gemara says that every time, whenever Chazal had, had official meetings, Rabbi Yehuda always was the first one to speak. And that was a decree of the government, because of this Misa, that he would be uh, the first one to speak at any conversation, any, uh, you know, event. Yaisi Shashasak, Rabbi Yaisi, that was quiet, Yigol Tzipayri, he's going to be exiled to the city of Tzipayri. Shimon Shagina, and Shimon that said negative things about the government, Yoharik, he'll be killed. And that's the Misa, so because of this he has to run away, he hides in a cave for 12 years, Everyone knows, and uh, after 12 years or so, so the Gemara says that El Yonavi came and told them the message that all the Romans that were going to uh, prosecute you have, been, have died, so you're able to come out of the cave. No, and the mice is that he comes out and he sees people that are involved in things of this world, right? They're plowing, they're, they're sowing, they're doing everything that needs to be done for business and for living. And Serb uh, Shimon and his son say, they're leaving, they're neglecting eternal life and focusing on uh, temporary life. And any time, any place that they put their eyes, the place became on fire and they were destroying the world. The Baskal comes out and says, I didn't take you out of the cave to destroy my world. Go back in the cave. After 12 months being in the cave, they come back out. Again, just there's the mice, they come back out. Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rav Shimon, is still burning things on fire, but Rav Shimon is calming him down, but neither of them are still 100% settled in. And then the Gemara says, Amaisa, that, that it was Friday, it was right late Friday afternoon, Ben Ashmoshes, it's between Friday night, you know, right the moment of Ben Ashmoshes, between uh, the six days of the week and Shabbos, and they see this old man running with two bundles of Hadassim, and Rav Shimon and his son ask, ask this person, what do you have these two bundles for? So he says, it's Lekavit Shabbos, why two? And then Rav Shimon turns to his son, he says, See how beloved mitzvahs are to the Jewish people, that this old man is running because of Zachar Roshamar. 
Mianis Vaishudaitam, they came to they came to a place of peace and comfort, and the rest is history. Okay, that's the basic mindset. Now let's understand. <clears throat> if the listen, the Rabbanishlam obviously needs Rashimin to get to a cave. Right? The only way to get to Rashimin into a cave is if the government prosecutes him. If the government, uh, the government persecutes, if the government is running after Shimon, it's obviously he, had, he has to say something that the government is upset about. So, listen, there's many things you could say negative about the Romans. So it has to be Bashkoch this specific conversation, and the way Rabbi Shimon said something negative about the Romans, and all the bridges and the marketplaces and the bathhouses that they made, it was real for themselves, and that was the catalyst to get Rabbi Shimon into the cave to eventually lead to Rabbi Shimon Baichai's emergence of the cave, and the, the rest is uh, unfolding history. So it has to be Bashkoch what that message was. And more than that, the moment that, that it's interesting, even in this Gemara, the first mention of Rav Shimon's name is Rav Shimon. Yudah, Rav Yais, and Rav Shimon are sitting together. That's Rav Shimon pre-cave. All of a sudden, when he says the words, when he's about to say the sentence, that everything they did for, the, is for themselves, they're not deserving of any praise, Nana Rav Shimon Ba'yichai Vam, Rav Shimon Ba'yichai says. And I mentioned that Rav Shimon that word always means, that title is post-cave, which means that already, it means that, that, that this was the first awakening of Rav Shimon post-cave. That whatever the Indian of Rishim Baichai is, in terms of Pnimi Satayr and the Zar Kaddish and everything post cave, this wasn't just the way to get him to the cave and to start that process. This sentence of everything they said was, everything they did was for themselves, that contained, that's, that's the beginning of Rishim Baichai. So this is not only Bashkach Pratis, this is exactly what Rishim Baichai is about, is somehow this sentence. We have to figure this out, what exactly is contained in this Indian. <clears throat> okay. Now, I mentioned before that Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Akiva are bound to each other. There's a famous Misa with Rabbi Akiva, and, uh, it's, it's, and this is the point of contact, so to speak, between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara says in Chagiga, famous episode, Dal that there were four tzaddikim, at least at the time, and they, they went on a journey to go into Pardes, to go into the orchard, to go to, this, uh, to a mystical uh, dimension. The Pardes. Why did they go to the Pardes? So in the Zara Kaddish, this is a big sug in the Zara Kaddish, and Rav Shimon himself says that the reason why his Rebbe, Rabbi Kiva, and his Chaveirim went into the Pardes was to bring Geula. Each one of them, each one of the four, Rabbi Kiva, Ben Azai, Ben Zayma, and Elisha Ben Avuya, I'm not going into this right now, but each one of them was, took upon themselves a quarter of the Tikkun, the collective Tikkun that, that the Jewish people have to go through for Mashiach to come, those four tzaddikim saw themselves as big enough to carry the load, and each one of them would, would take a fourth of the responsibility, and they went into the paradise to bring Geula. Bringing Geula ultimately falls on Rav Shimon's shoulder, right? That Mashiach is going to come because of the Zarah Kaddish. So this is already, you see already, this Maisev, Rabbi Kiva, going into the orchard with his other Chaveirim, is already, it must be related to Taras Rav Shimon. Because Rabbi Kiva is going in in order to bring Gula, it doesn't work out, and Rabbi Shimon carries the baton and actually, you know, at least plants the seeds, which will result in Gula Barachimim, which is a Zara Kaddish. So this, so another, so let's put it this way: to, to understand Rabbi Shimon and to appreciate Rabbi Shimon, it has to be bound to the Maisa of Dal Shenich and Zula Okay, and in fact, Rabbi Shimon himself sort of says this. The Gemara says, just to go back for a second, with the four that went into the Pardes, so again, the Gemara says that really, sort of only two of them came out. You know, Benazim and Ben Zayma never really left. One of them passed away, which means that he never really left. 
And one of them mentally never really came back the same, which means that he never really left. Elisha ben Avuya came out, but he didn't come out b'shalom. So he was confused by the whole experience, and he went off the derech because of it. Shtei Rishuyas, the Gemara says, that he came to the conclusion there's two gods, there's two jurisdictions. He couldn't, he couldn't go into that place of the paradise and exit at peace. Again, two, of the, two out of the four never left, and one left, but not peacefully. Rabbi Kiva, the Gemara says, was the only one. Nichnas b'shalom, v'yatsa b'shalom. Rabbi Kiva knew how to go in, and he knew how to go out. That's Rabbi Kiva. Now take a look, at, with that background, take a look at Marmokka number two. This is a, a piece from the Zara Kaddish in Parshas Nasai, Kof Pemalaf Medalaf, Tana. And we have the following tradition, Ad Reb Shimon, Reb Shimon said, Kol Hani Tikunim, all the Tikunim that I am bringing to the world with the Zara Kaddish, the Chol Hani Milin, and all these words that I'm teaching, Be'inen L'Galehain, I want to reveal them and to give them access to who? to the masters, to the tzaddikim, the iskalub amaskala that are that are connected to the scale, to a scale that's even, that's balanced, to the maskala. but not to those that go in but don't come out. In other words, this scale, we'll speak about that maybe a little bit more, but this scale represents the ability to go in and to go out, to be balanced. This side means to go in, this side to go out and to be balanced. I, those are the ones that I want to give the secrets of the Zara Kaddish to, not to the ones that go in and don't go out. Rather, I want to give it again to the ones that have a skill, and others to the ones that go in and go out. Because anyone that goes in but doesn't go out, it's better not to be created. It's better not to be created. So, that's, so, another, so what's Rashim saying? So Rashim is basically saying this, that all of his Torah is only for those that are Bikivadik. If you're nichnas b'shalom v'yotz b'shalom, if you know how to do that, that's already, a, that's already, uh, you're connected to Rabbi Kiva, you're connected to Rabbi Kiva, you're connected to Rabbi Shimon, that's the point of contact. So to understand, so Rabbi Shimon's Torah, and, which is again, uh, the light of Mashiach Tzikenu, Gula itself, which is something that Rabbi Kiva tried to do with all of his chaveirim, and Rabbi Shimon, again, writes a Zara Kaddish, brings us a Zara Kaddish, which will result in Gula Brahmim. It's only for what? The Ayel Venafik, for those that go in and to go out, those that are able to nichnas b'shalom, yotz b'shalom, just like Rabbi Kiva. If all four of them could have done that, it would be different. But the Inyan of Gula, that's the point of view, the Inyan of Gula, which is Rabbi Kiva's Inyan, and Rabbi Shimon's Inyan is connected to this Nakuda of going in and going out b'shalom. Okay, so we have to figure this out. Okay, this is all, those are all introductory questions, whatever, we'll get back to that soon. Okay. In, there's a term, there are terms that we find in the Sefer Kabbalah that each one on their own is used in the Sefer Kabbalah. But what's interesting is, Chassidah sort of uh, takes those terms and makes a, a shidduch between them in a way that you don't find in the Kisveri. In the Kisveri we find the following terminology, that there's such a thing, and there's such a thing as certain neshamas that are connected to a, a way that's called toyu. There's such a thing in the Sermon called toyu, chaos. Right, we're familiar with the word, right? There's such a thing as Tayo. And then in the Sefer Kabbalah, there's such a thing as Tikkun, which means order. Chaos versus order. There's such a thing. Fine. And generally in the Sefer Kabbalah, we, we come into the world and we're confronted by Tayo, and our job is to make Tikkun. That's, the, that's basically in a nutshell what we're here for. In Sefer Chassidus, we're taught the following thing, and it's something that you only, it's, it's, a, it's a term that was, that was, that was coined um, in, 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 in Chesidus, which is that Geula, 
Mashiach, which is again everything we just said, going in and going out of peace, or Rekiv and Shimon, Gul is coined by Sefer Chasidus as Oiris de Tayu, the Kalim de Tikan, the light of chaos in the vessels of order. Oiris de Tayu, the Kalim de Tikan. So it's interesting, not to change Tayu into Tikan, or not to get rid of chaos and replace it with order. The ultimate goal in Chasidus, the terminology is, Oiris de Tayu, the light of chaos contained in the vessels of Tikan. Now that's a that's a, that's a new terminology. You don't you don't again you don't find that term not that I not that I'm aware of in the Sefer Kabbalah from Arizal and so on. We're not going to go into the the Kabbal part of it, but uh, just you know Marmokamani Lach. It's good to know. Um, not until not uh, this Indian of, of Hasidus of taking the light of Toyu in the Kalim of Tikkun. What that means that was something that was not really understood, al-pi Kabbalah, what that, what that meant. Chassidus talks about it in its terms, in its way, but to really understand its source in the Kisveri, what that means, that was not really unpackaged, uh, I don't think, until uh, Chaim Shola Kayin Dwek, the Baal Hasada, one of the great Sfaradish Mukabalam in the early 1900s. So he wasn't addressing Sefer Chassidus, but he was writing uh, Pirushim on the, on the writings of the Rizal, on the Rashash, in his way. And in, in his system... Such, an in, such a thing emerges in the writings of the Rizal, of Iris de Tayu, Bekeum de Tikkun. So it has its, so, so again, even though I'm saying that, that uh, this terminology is, is found first in, the, in Sifr Chasidis, mm-hmm. but um, again, from the Balasada, it has, it finds its roots back in the Rashash and the Kisveri. But what does this mean? So in order to figure mm-hmm. out what Iris de Tayu and Kalim de Tikkun mean, you first have to identify what Tayu means and what Tikkun means, and then we can figure out what it looks like when they come together. Okay, so there's many different ways how to go about doing this. For tonight and for this series, I guess, we're going we're gonna to be traveling with uh, being escorted by two Kahanim Gedoylem, okay? You have uh, Rav Kook and Rav Tzadik. They're going to help us along the way. So in Maramukka number three, this is a piece from Rav Kook, okay? It's from Iris. In this piece, Rav Kook, he's identifying, again, in his style, in his way, what does Tayu mean and what does Tikkun mean? What are, there's neshamas that are more tayu oriented and neshamas that are more tikkun oriented. Now bear in mind, none, neither category is good or bad in particular. These are qualities, these are tchunas. Each one can be abused. But this is where Rav Kook puts it. Hadrocha haragila, the normal um, tow, towing the line type of personality. Hadrocha haragila, the one that goes, that the derech of this particular neshama is ragil, is to be uh, I guess the word normal, regular, uh, contained, uh, works with, uh, draws within the lines, you know. Shall time the yashar, someone that, that, that is simple and straightforward, bishmir samidas hatayvis, which generally comes with having good midas, the das vidin, being very religious, keeping the halacha that way, which is something we all wish uh, for all of ourselves. Hu inyan ta'aluchas that's what tikkun looks like. So tikkun looks like someone who is stable, someone who's stable, someone who accepts the environment around them and wants to function within that environment. So a person's raised in a particular uh, culture, they don't want to make any waves, they're not interested, not because, and then even, the, the, even the thought of making waves doesn't enter their mind. This is a, that's it, finished, that's what, I, that's what I am. Calling within lines, that's Tikkun. These are people that are very productive and they'll accomplish and they'll move along and that, that's what they do, that's what they do. They don't, these types of neshamas, though, as you'll see in a second, usually don't get their names in the history books. Because they just, you know, they go. They go, and they're just part of the, the system. 
That is. So he says like this, that's the process of tikkun. The kol has parashos mizah. Now, any, any deviation from the straight line whether it's coming from a place of rebelliousness, of, of wanting to make waves. Or maybe it's coming from a good place because they, 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 they demand something bigger than just the, the lines that they were given. That's called tayu. That's called tayu. So you have these two types of neshamas. You have a, a, a certain type of energy, which is what we'll call yishav ha'aylam. The world being settled, functional, things, status, people, an Indian of status quo, an Indian of what is status quo? Status quo is, but they're good. I mean, things are stable. You want to maintain stability. Things are good. Mahalach, that's called tikkun. That's called tikkun. Gavul, finite. Kalim. Mashenkin, what's toyu? Toyu is, toyu means an energy that that always is seeking change, that's always seeking something more, something different, something that's bigger than whatever is being offered. Now that is for two, one of two things, either because the person is just always like, you know, always, you know, you know, and if they act of rebellion, they don't want what's being offered, so they'll always make themselves want more, just be able to say that, just to be able to, to, to say that they're un- unsatisfied, or they're honestly unsatisfied because they talk a desire more. Now Rav Cook is going to elaborate more. Neshamis de Tayu, says Rav Kook, the souls that are coming from Tayu, they're truly coming from a very high, sometimes a higher place than the Neshamis of Tikkun. They're very, very big. Again, we're talking about now, this paragraph, he's describing the Tayu personality when it's coming from a place of Kedusha. Again, like he said before, there are those that want to you know, you know, uh, draw outside the lines, but because lahaches, that's not that's that's unholy, that's unhealthy, that's that's trying to disrupt order just for the sake of disrupting order. That's unhealthy. But there is such an inyan of toyu that's coming from a place of kedusha, and it's coming because this neshama comes from an, from a higher place than than order. It comes from a higher place. So he says like this, they, These neshamas, they demand a lot from reality. Very often what the kalim and the reality that they're presented with and they're born into can offer. So they, they demand more than, than what's, what's available to them. They're seeking a great light. And and because of their desire for something that is almost infinite and almost you know, inaccessible in a finite world, anything that is contained or muktzav or designated, venerach or evaluated, anything that could be labeled as a box, they can't tolerate it. They can't tolerate it. Not from a rebellious place necessarily, although it might... It might express itself very often like that, but very, but in kedusha it's coming because these neshamas desire infinity. They they the you know every neshama comes from a place of insight, right? The neshamas come from kisya kavod. The kisya kavod is much bigger than anything this world can offer. So some neshamas, by the time they make their way down here, that memory is already almost lost, and even if they still have the desire to return to their banishloilam, which is hundred percent what a neshama is about. But the level of elikus that they're looking for is a level of elikus that fits within the construct of, of the world that they're being placed in. 
And so those are the people that they're going to color within the line, so to speak. And they're going to make the world a place of, of divine light, but a divine light that's measured, a divine light that's finite, that's mugbal. But then there's other neshamas that by the time they come down here, they still carry a very strong imprint of that place of Ein Saif, that all neshamas ultimately come from. And so by the time they come down here, if they still have that smell and that desire, then the elikus that they'll be looking for cannot be found in a, in a finite world. And that is going to result, possibly, as we'll see in a second, in a lot of frustration. But that, that, that's what they're looking for. So he says like this, uh, They descend from their heights, from what it was before existing, to be born. And that is a traumatic experience for these neshamas. They were exalted like a flame. They rise, rose up like a flame. And then they were crushed. Then they were extinguished. They, that's what they feel like. Their desire, which is infinite, cannot be satisfied. It cannot end. So this desire, that thirst, will express itself in many kalim. It could... You know, it could take on all different forms. These are people that might desire uh, things that are that are beyond measure. So, if it's not, so in other words, again, it might not be expressed religiously. It could be expressed in Gashmi as the person looking, never being satisfied in Vachulu, Vachulu, Bali Taiva, and Bali, you know, Bali everything, those types of things. These are people that desire Vinayflais and will constantly be disappointed. Where do they fall into? Very often, Biyish. They fall into despair. What are they despairing of? Themselves, life. Because whatever it is that they're looking for, they're not, they're not getting it. Becharoin, fall into anger. This is the, last week's parasha was about the Mitzayra. This is very connected to the Mitzayra. Mitoich, Ketsev, and because of their anger, Barasha, they could fall into Averis. So, and again, so Rav Kook is saying an amazing thing, that very often these neshamas turn into big Rishayim. But it's not coming from a place of rebelliousness. It's because of just frustration. They're just frustrated because what they're desiring, at least to them, doesn't seem to be uh, uh, offered by the kalim of this world, even with all of the mitzvahs and nice and taivim that this world has to offer, it's not satisfying them. So it's been cut up a little bit? So it's related to that as well, yeah, yeah. A lot of these inshamas are coming from that place. Bezadain, Beshiflus, Bekiyar, they'll fall into even Averis, Bemezid, into small places, Ugliness, Betiyah, Behiris, Bekorah. All, all these things, but it's coming from that place. But says Rav Kook, again, a lot, this is not a full quotation, a lot of this is, you know, there's a v'chulu over here, but he says like this, avotam says ha'oymetz, she'yesh b'retzayinam, but the, 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 tam says the, the, the is usually courage, but over here it means, it means uh, the intensity, the intensity by wit, that, that's contained in their will, hi'anakudosh al-kaydosh, that, that's a holy point, the intensity that's driving them. Shekishinus Feges. Now, now he begin. Now here, here he begins to describe what Iris the Taihu in the Kalem of Tikkun look like. So again, let's let's before we go in, let's break down what we have so far. So you have two neshamas. You have two neshamas. Two categories of neshamas. Two types of two 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 uh, you know two two um, categories of. Neshamas that are drawn to Elikos. All Neshamas are drawn to Elikos. There's one category that's called Tikkun, which means a level of Elikos and Navoida and a Mahalach that's Biyishav Oilam. That's in a way of Derech Eretz. Things are settled. Things are settled. It's not trying to upend anything. 
it's it's within Kalim and Kalim Shainim. And then you have Aristotayu. Aristotayu, Neshamas of Tayu means what they're desiring is betzim bigger than anything the Kalim of this world can provide. And so because of that, because of that, what very often happens is that these are people that get their names in the history books because they are revolutionary. They are trying to completely change the status quo. Unfortunately, very often, the stati- the, to change the status quo certainly means on some level of destruction. But you know, by very often, these neshamas, the status quo that they're trying to change is order into chaos, right? Because they don't necessarily, um, they maybe weren't given the tools even within themselves to understand what it is that they're looking for. So to them, all they think they're looking for is chaos. When really, they're not looking for chaos, they're looking for something that is bigger than any kalim can contain. Now when, now, so, so translating that might be, okay, I'm just looking for every kalim to break. But I mean, what happens when you take too much electricity and put it into a cleat? Take a light bulb that's supposed to be 20 watts and you put it and you plug it in when it's a, to a 100 watt thing, whatever it is, it busts, right? So really what the person is looking for is, is, is 100 watts. But he might not realize that, so he, when, you know, uh, he might convince himself that all, he's trying, all he wants is just light bulbs to bust. When really what he's looking for is not busting light bulbs, he wants 100 watts. It happens to be, there's no kalim for 100 watts. So this person mistranslates his own desire. He, doesn't, he forgets that he's looking for 100 watts. He's not looking for 100 watts, I'm just looking to break light bulbs. So instead of actually figuring out a way to maybe make a light bulb that can have 100 watts in it, he just now decides, you know, I'm going to do an easier eight, so I'm just going to take a bat, and I'll just break all the light bulbs that I see. Why do I have to waste the time of plugging them into the wrong slot? I'll just break the light bulbs. Yeah, but the, the problem is, he's not, you're not really interested in breaking light bulbs. You're interested in 100 watts. Happens to be, all the light bulbs available to you could only contain 20 watts. So Mamela, you're breaking a lot of light bulbs, but you're not really trying to break light bulbs. But this is the confusion that the Neshamas of Tayu are involved in. Now this is all when it's in the side of Kedusha, where even if it results in breaking light bulbs, that's not really what they're interested in doing. But there is such a thing, like Rav Kook mentioned before, listen, there's always, you know, Tumma always parallels Kedusha. So there is also an Indian in Tumma of, of, of people that are just want to break light bulbs. There, there is such a thing. By Yidin, it's not like that. By Yidin, it's you want 100 watts, and then Melo, you're breaking light bulbs. But by the Sitra Achar, by the Umas Oilam, there is such a thing of them also breaking light bulbs. But they're breaking light bulbs just not to break light bulbs. Um, what does it mean? What does it mean, Neshamas de Tayu, Bekalem de Tikan? Light of chaos in the, in the Kalem of Tikan. And as I mentioned, in Sivach Hasidus, we're taught that's the Indian of Gula. What is Gula? Geula means, as we're going to see more about this Bez Hashem maybe a little bit later on, but Geula means a, a fusion of these two worlds, which means to be able to finally satisfy, satisfy the desire of the Neshamas of Tayu, to actually give them what they're looking for, which is everythingness, but yet at the same time, which is, which is revolutionary which is going to be a ma'apecha, which is going to be a complete upending of the status quo, but at the very same moment, not truly changing anything. And things happening, absolutely new things and new experiences happening in a way that's absolutely comfortable and beautiful and stable. In other words, let's put it this way. If the neshamas of, of Toyu had their way, 
then they want the revolution. They want all the light bulbs to be, to be all the 20-watt bulbs to be broken and to manufacture new light bulbs. And the new light bulbs that will be manufactured are 100 watts. And that would satisfy Neshama Seftayim. Neshama Seftikun don't want to go through that. They don't want to go through that. We have 20-watt light bulbs. 20-watt light bulbs have been satisfying us, us until now. It's illuminating the room perfectly fine. Let's go with that. Ah, you're telling me, so, so there's this conversation. So the Neshamas of Toyu tell the Tikkun people, yeah, but hello, you could, you could have 100 watts. And the Neshamas of Tikkun say to the Toyu people, I hear what you're saying. Personally, I don't, I don't mind just having 20 watts. But even if we, if we go for your plan, what's going to be between the 20 and 100? What's going to be until the manufacturer gets us the 100 watt? watt, watt? Then we're going to have no light bulbs. Like, I don't want the revolution like that because a revolution, after the revolution is over, is fine. But no one wants to live through the revolution. Once the revolution is over, and it's good, but you don't want to go through the coup. Why, why would you want to? You, you don't want to live through that. And so there's this tug of war. What's the ultimate tikkun? What's the ultimate tachlis? What's gula? So is gula a complete revolution of everything we've known in Gaulus? If that's what it is, that satisfies the neshamas of Tayu. But the neshamas of Tikkun are uncomfortable with that. They're scared by that. So then, on the other hand, so is Mashiach basically just nothing really too different than we, are, than we have now? That'll satisfy the neshamas of Tikkun. You know, because even the neshamas of Tikkun, you know, 20 watts, okay, you could push it to 22 watts, you know, it's not going to... But on the other hand, the neshamas of Tayu are not satisfied with that. And they, and they have a point, you know, why, why should we just have 20 or 22 watts when you get to 100? The Chiddush of, of Geula, and this is the secret of, of what the Baal Shem Tov brought to the world, and again, this is a, just a continuation of Shimon Rebekiv, as we'll see, is what? Is to be able to have Oiris de Toyu Bekelem de Tikkun. Oiris de Bekelem de Tikkun means 100 watts, and so, which is absolutely new, but at the same time, very, very comfortable transition, very comfortable movement. Arkadekach, you don't even notice it happening. Isn't that how Geula unfolds? Right, if you think about it, there's a steer in Chazal. We'll see more about this maybe next week. But there's a steer in Chazal, how Gula unfolds. It's based in Pesukim. On the one hand, uh, you know, the, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk describes, on the Tzach Yalsa Shachar, the Pasuk in Tilm describes the coming of Mashiach like the rising sun. So the Gemara famously, Yerushalmi, Yerushalmi says, what the meaning of that is, that Mashiach comes, Kim Kim, slowly, 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 slowly. Okay, that's one. And then on the other hand, there's a Pasuk in Yishai where the Pasuk says, Pisaim Yavi Adam. And immediately, out of nowhere, the master will come, the sheikh will come. It's, it's a, it's which one is it? The answer is it's kind of both because, again, we, 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 we haven't experienced it yet. And so we don't know what it means. And that's going to be part of our Avaidah next week to sort of try to model our Avaidah Hashem after this. But there is such a thing that when Mashiach comes, it's both a complete revolutionary change, completely different, everything's altogether different, and at the same time, it felt seamless. It felt seamless. And all of a sudden, every, bu- every bulb is, is able to contain 100 watts, despite the fact that it, I never had to throw this one out. And I didn't have to send it back to the manufacturer to get a replacement. Like, everything's the same. Same sits, the same filling. But uh, all of a sudden, it's like a completely different system filling. That's Gula. This is what it means when, we, when, when I mentioned before that, that the Zara Rabbi Shimon, that Moshe Rabbeinu himself said to Rabbi Shimon that that with your book, the Zara Kaddish, Yafkin Yisrael Mengalusa, the Jewish will come out of Galus, Barachimim, with compassion. It means Mashiach's coming. But there's a question of is Mashiach going to come Barachimim or Chas Shalom not? What does it mean Barachimim or not? 
What is it dependent on? It's dependent on this Indian. Barachimim means that, Mashiach means revolution. It means iris detoyu. But Barachimim means it's all within the Kalim of Tikkun, that somehow, paradoxically, there's a revolution happening unbeknownst to anyone. And by the time it's over, it's like, wow, I, I guess it happened. And then everything is automatically changed without it necessarily needing a huge upheaval. That's called Gul Barachimim. Now let's understand, this is a description, this is what it means, when we'll see more about this maybe as a Shem next week, but when Rabbi Kiva, when we have this description of going in, Nichnas B'Shalm, V'yatsa B'Shalm. What does it mean, Nichnas V'yatsa? Nichnas V'yatsa means going into that place of the Pardes, or like Rabbi Shimon, going into the cave. What does it mean to be in a cave? Like when Rabbi Kiva, when Rabbi Shimon was in the cave and he comes out the first time, right? So his reaction to the world is, what are you doing? That they're involved in temporal life. You're, that... Rav Shimon at that moment, I started to say these words, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see Be'ez Hashem soon. Rav Tzadik himself writes this, that Rav Shimon at that moment was in a place of Aristotel. Because Geula means uh, revolutionary. Everyone that's, going, that's working in the field at that time, if, they, if Rav Shimon asked them, why are you doing this? What would they say? They would say, listen, I know, it's, of course the Halavai should be able to sit and learn. But my I can't, what am I supposed to do? I have to make a parnasa. In other words, the, 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 the reason why those farmers are farming is because this, the kalim, this is the kalim of the world. What am I supposed to do? Uh, the, the matzav is. There's such a thing as, as a shtadlus, and I, this is the matzav that I'm in. But Rabbi Shem Baruchai, in the cave, is in that place of revolution. In the cave, the cave of Rabbi Shimon is in that place of toyu. That like, why are you settling for that? Yeah. I understand that, that you were born into a world where you have 20 watt light bulbs, and 20 light, light bulbs mean that you have to farm and you have to sow and you have to go to work. I get it. But if there would be 100 watt bulbs, then Rishon said, why settling for that? I, that people are going to say, yeah, but if I stop working, who's gonna, where am I going to have money until Abish is elephant? <laughs> and Rishon says, okay, that's the sacrifice of making a revolution. There's a Gemara in Erevin. The Gemara says in Erevin that one um, Amaroyim, the Gemara says a harsh thing. <laughs> the Gemara says that to a certain degree, to, to become a real Tamachacham, a person has to be cruel to his family to a certain degree, a certain level of cruelty. The Gemara says that, that there was a situation with Amaroyim that his wife asked him, you know, he's going to learn. He says, what's going to be, how, how are we going to feed the kids? So he said, he said to his wife, he said, well, there's not enough vegetables in the, in the, in the field. Well, you, you know, like in other words, yeah, and a chanami. This is part of, this is part of, you know, we, we have to break some light bulbs in order to, to make room for the new light bulbs. That's part of the deal. And that's from Shimon's mentality. If he comes out, he's burning things up. Why is he lighting things on fire? Stam is a mazik. That's called breaking the light bulbs. Why is he breaking the light bulbs? He's breaking light bulbs in order to make room for bigger light bulbs. But what does, Shem, what does Hashem say to Rav Shimon? That's not why he took you out of the cave. That's, not a, that's a geula. The whole thing of Rav Shimon is bringing geula, but that's not a geul barachimim. A geul barachimim is that the same intensity that you have in the cave of not settling for anything less than than Asek, B'chai Oilam, of eternal life, of Tar and Avoida in its, in its most infinite form, to have that fire even in the Kalim of Tikkun. That's the goal. That's the goal. That somehow to introduce the world to be able to farm and to sow and to be involved in Parnassah and still be on fire with Avoida Hashem as much as a person who will be sitting learning all day is about. And that's what Tarsal Shantav is also about. But that's exactly what it means to be nichnas b'shalom, to know how to go in, to know how to 
desire revolution, but also but also to have that same intensity while also knowing how to embrace the status quo. And that's the type of revolution that, that Roshem Bar Yechai is about that results in a Gula Barachim. Let's understand, this is why, this is why um, in that first conversation that, that made the trouble, right? So it's interesting. Again, Rabbi Yudha says that everything the, guy, the Romans are doing, they're praiseworthy. They have uh, bridges and marketplaces and, and, and bathhouses. All those things that he does, there's a lot of things you could praise the Romans for. I mean, I don't, why, why? Those things, those things that Rabbi Yudha praised them, those things are about orderly civilization. It's about maintaining order. A, a functional society has ways of, of, of commerce, that's the marketplaces, traveling, health, uh, having bathhouses. In those days, that was, that was basically, you know, keeping yourself clean. Even now, it's a, in order to keep healthy and so on. That's in order to maintain order in society and functionality. And really says that we have to, they, they, listen, if there's anyone that's going to know how to maintain order, it's going to be the Muslim. That's, that's the, this is their Indian. This is, the, this is the only world they have. So they're going to try to do the best, best of it. This is the first emergence of Rishim Baichai. Rishim Baichai is, again, what's Rishim Baichai about? Rishim Baichai is fusing, a fusion between absolute tayu, which means upending society, and at the same time society completely maintaining order. But that's only by Yidin. That's only by Yidin. By the Goyim, there's no ability, the Romans don't have this ability to truly fuse Tayu and Tikkun. So what does Rav Shimon say? Rav Shimon says, look, look at every single one of the things that they created and understand that they're also motivated by Tayu, but it upends society ultimately. The, the, every single thing that, that Rabbi Yudha said they're praised by, which are things that maintain society, the ultimate, the ultimate end result of all those things are resulting in inyanim that upends society. So you have marketplaces for Znos. That's the, end of, that's the end of society. Many societies have been destroyed by just following Taivas like that. Marchetzois, bathhouses in order for their own personal pleasure and delight. That's laziness. That's also the, the end of society. And, and bridges in order to increase taxes. That's stealing money from each other. That's also the end of society. In other words, what Rishimin is, what Rishimin is hinting at, there, there's, there, at that conversation there was an awakening of this Indian of Toyu and Tikkun coming in contact with each other. That's what was going on at that conversation. The ultimate ripened version of that is Rav Shimon emerging out of the cave with the intensity of the cave, but the Yishuvadas of the farmers. That's the ultimate goal of that fusion of these two worlds. But in this conversation, this is the unripened version of Toyu and Tikkun coming in contact with each other, and especially a version that the Romans are involved in, which is Tikkun, order, but ultimately unending, uh, destroying itself. Because of that, 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 the order that's being, that's being laid by the Romans is itself being motivated and being fueled by a toyo de kafir. In other words, the, Roman, what the, the Romans are making bridges, they're making bathhouses, making all these things for the purposes of, of, invo- of being involved in, 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 in activities which unend society. So what they're being motivated by is something that's coming from a complete breakdown of society, and they're trying to make society based on that. It, it's it's uh, ending itself. That's why if you think about it, what's the, why is Rishim and Barichai being, they don't deserve our cars, so their motivation is no good. It's an Afghan, so what? What, what? When the guy's driving on the bridge uh, to get to Seder, what, what is it? So I can't be mocked or to the Romans? 
because they had a negative, negative intention when they built the bridge. It was an afkamina to me. What Rishim Baruch is revealing to us is that that's the goal is tikkun being directed by Tayu. but by the by the Romans that's also true. But that's the and that's the unend of tikkun. It, it, it cannot be sustained. There's no such thing as the iris of Tayu with all of their intensity in in the kalim of tikkun. Such a thing cannot exist by the Romans, and that's where Rishim Baruch is pointing out that their intention is to try to capture. Iris of Tayu in the Kalim of Tikkun. They're trying to make an orderly society, which is the Kalim of Tikkun, to try to make that into a place in which they could experience Tayu Vavayu. That's not possible. That's unending itself. That's not only that's not only unend itself. That that that, that that's that's misery. That that, that that's nishtehe nishteher. So what are they supposed to do with those iris? So the, the guy. So that's what we. That, that's where Klai is for. Klai Yisrael is for to ultimately bring the ghoul in such a way where the iris of Tayu can merge with the iris of Tikkun in a healthy way. But this is the first the sugya that they're talking about in that conversation with Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi This is the sugya of iris to Tayu became the Tikkun of how do you have a society of Tikkun that has that contains the order the, the iris of Tayu is such a thing possible. And if it is, what does it look like? And it's certainly not possible by the Romans. This, and, and that's exactly what Rishon is pointing out. Take a look at Marmokka number four. <coughs> so this is uh, the other kind of the Tzaddik. So in Sitka Tzaddik, piece Reish Chov Dalit. So he references over here, Gedarka B'Kadish, he references uh, many Gemaras in this piece, but he, the uh, famous Gemara Brachis. The Gemara says that there was a Machlaikis between Rishon and Rabbi Yishmol, Rishon Rechon Rabbi Yishmol, whether a person should... Be, what is the mitzvah of learning? So Rosh Hashem said, it says in Pasuk, a person should be learning all day and all night. And Rosh Hashem said, that's not true. It says, in the second parasha of Krishna, it says that you have to, that, that if you keep the mitzvahs, Hashem will give you parnasa, which means that you have to make a parnasa. Hashem is giving you parnasa, but, but you have to work the harvest of fields and so on. So, so that's what Rishmol, that's what Rishmol said. The person has to, you know, Hanig behem minig derech eretz. That's Rishmol's language. Learn Tyra, but Hanig behem, but you, you engage in Tyra in a way that's normal, in a way that's that's tikundik, that fits with, with the kalim of tikun. And Rishmol Baruchai is saying, what's going to be with Tyra? In other words, like that's not, I I what's going to be with your parnasa? Okay, so light bulbs will break. What can I tell you? But that's what's going to be. Now the Gemara says, "Har be asu kerbshim barichai." Many tried like kerbshimin, v'loy also biyadim, v'loy also biyadim. They weren't successful. So says says something like this. Ramin and Sham. The Gemara says in Brachas, "Har be asu kerbshbi." Many tried like kerbshimin, v'loy also biyadim. They were insuccessful. Why? The evsher l'rabim ulchol ha'elam kulei lias kerbshbi, because the approach of kerbshim barichai, which is very iris the taihu. Is very difficult for for the rabbim. The ki evsher lias kain rak b'mora in the in in the cave. That's a possibility. The chutz la'elam hazeh outside of, of of the world, so to speak. Avu ba'elam hazeh, but in this world, fakert. We'll speak about this more next week. Hakadosh Baruch Hu writes to be yishav ha'elam. The rabbanu shalom wants there to be tikkun. In other words, tikkun is not just like because we can't handle. Tayu by itself. The Rebbeinu wants Tikkun too. The Rebbeinu wants the Rebbeinu wants things. He wants to give us hundred watts, but he also knows. He also intentionally gave us twenty watt bulbs. So that's also his rotsin. Van Hagazu. Now this is what Tzadik says, and this this brought us back to Rishimin. Van Hagazu Lotzeis Megvulai. This Hanag of Rishimin to go beyond the boundaries to break. 
you know, to go beyond the borders and to not be satisfied with anything that's finite, that's, that's, that's reined in. And not to be satisfied with anything that could be contained in the body while you're alive. That's the approach of Oilam Can I decide them, which is known, the secret of Oilam Atayu in the Kisveri? That's what's going on over here. And that's the entire story of Reb Shimon. So the whole thing of Reb Shimon, and this is Rabbi Kiva again, Nechnas B'Shalom, Yatz B'Shalom, is to figure out a way to bring a Geula, Berachemim, which means a complete revolution, and at the same time, without any, uh, without any upheaval. Without any upheaval at all. And that's, and that's what's going on. And this is in truth, when we talk about, we'll speak about this more about next week, in, in more Lamaisa, but when you talk about Pnei Satira. This is why, you know, it, uh, throughout the years of Gaulus, there's always been Pnei Satar and Kabbalah, but B'derach uh, Klal, Kabbalah, and Halacha, Nigla and Nister, were kept to be two different categories. There was Nigla, which is much more Tikkun, that's the Kalim, how to function in Halacha, what do you have to do, right? The, the, the telltale sign of a Tikkun Dika conversation is the conversation first starts off about something high and holy, and then, and then the person, but Lamaisa, yeah. so when you say, when you say Lamaisa, which is basically like uh, a big, you know, but, you know, Lamaisa, that, that usually means that's all tayu, very, very nice. Over Lamaisa, there's Kalim of Tikkun. And the Kalim of Tikkun, that's Halacha. And Bederach Klal, throughout the generations, even Sadiqim that spoke about Pneum Satira, very often it was its own category, and then there was a separate category. Uh, nowadays, Mashiach has to come Barachimim. It is coming Barachimim. So part of the Avaidah nowadays, and I try to do this, honestly, almost, uh, you know, Kimat, every, every time I speak, I try to do this, which is, Aris the Taiba Kalim Tikkun. Which means that that uh, no longer see them as two separate sukkahs. And if you want to know, like you know, like this cutting edge technology, right? So what's the cutting edge Tyra? What's the cutting you know cutting edge Tyra? I think is this Indian of of of, of fusing Niglanister of every sugya coming to life, where at the same time nothing's changed. It's the same familiar experiences, same familiar names, same familiar names. Rambam Ravid, Rashi Taisvis, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shmuel. But altogether, Pneumus Atar comes and infuses with, with uh, altogether different experience. So, and that's really where Shimon is about. For example, okay, it's, it's already, you know, there's a, there's a letter from the Baltanya. The Baltanya writes in one place that it's an interesting thing. It's very ironic. What, what would you think, what, what was Roshim Baruch learning in those years in the cave? The Baltanya writes, he was learning halacha in those cases. He was learning halacha. Nigla, nigla. It's ironic. The answer is that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. Because the holding of the cave is what, like Ritzavik just said, in the cave and Rav Kook, you know, Iris the Tayu, uh, believable, believable, believable. But the whole inner of Shimon is what? Iris the Tayu, but Kilatikon, Rav Shimon, Rav Kiva, Nechazim So, of course, the, one, the, the environment that Rav Shimon Barachai is in is Lamam Bidarchateva. And what's the one thing that he's learning in that experience, in that Matziv, is what is Darchateva in Yanim? Of course. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. It's not a Kasha at all. It's exactly what, that's Gul Barachimim. That's Gul Barachimim. What's the end of the story? What's the end of the story? So, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Shimon comes out of the cave finally after the final year. <coughs> and after the final year, you know, still his son, Rabbi Lazar, is still un- uneasy. But they see this old man running, right? Ben Hashemashas and so on. Zachar Vashamar with Hadassim. So take a look at Marmok number five. Back to Rav Kook. Rav Kook, um, one of his sarm, Einaya. This is a, a peerage that he has on a number of Mesechdas and Agarita. So... 
you'll see he wrote this, Einaya, by the way, and it's still in Chutzlar, it's before he came to Eretz Yisrael, and the language, it's still poetic, but it's not as difficult at all. as uh, his, Once he got to Eretz Yisrael, like, it's, uh, he, he didn't talk the same anymore. So he, he, this is what he says. He's talking about this story of, again, Rabbi Shimon and his son meeting this old man, Ben Hashemoshes, Friday night. Shabbos has two powers to it. There's two kaychas of Shabbos. One aspect of Shabbos is in the cave. One aspect of Shabbos is it, it allows, it, to, it could take a yid to a high place of Kedusha. It could raise a person to that place of believable. Above constraints. That's what Shabbos can be. It can connect a person to the higher transcendent Kedusha. But there's another aspect of Shabbos. It also has a way of drawing towards it the secular, the, the secular aspect of the six days of the week and its smallness. It also incorporates it into its transcendence. Through even remembering Shabbos in the six days of the week, in Mitzrayim, a person becomes uplifted. So Shabbos has this funny balance, this funny dynamic of being able to, to easily bring a person into that cave, but also allow a person to transition safely out of that cave. And even when you're out of the cave, to remember what it was like in the cave. And when you're in the cave, to remember what it was like out of the cave. You know, that's, you know the, the word shalom is very much a theme on Shabbos, right? Shalom Aleichem and V'chulu, Shabbat Shalom. So there's an Indian of peace on Shabbos. The shalom of Rabbi Kiva, going in and going out, that's the secret of Shabbos. So, so says Rav Kok like this. So Shabbos itself has these two qualities of being at peace, of going in and going out at peace. And Davka, when did, so Rav Shimbar is now... He's coming in contact. It's not just an old man. This is a message to Rishim. This is a giloy. Rishim is being revealed this Indian, this secret of Rabbi Kiva of going in and out of Aris the Toy and of Gul So he experiences Shabbos, but not just Shabbos. Ben Hashmoshes. What's Ben Hashmoshes? Who amavr shabena over That's the that's the that's the point between the six days of the week and Shabbos. That's so Shabbos has this quality of making peace between everything, and Davka, the moment that he's, that he's meeting Shabbos, is the moment of Ben Hashmoshes. Ben Hashmoshes has a way of pulling the six days of the week into Shabbos, and pulling Shabbos, in the, it's a suffix. When, what is Ben Hashmoshes? It's, it's a little bit of both, right? And it, and, it, and it represents the ability of Kaidish, of Shabbos, to spill over into the six days of the week, through its contact. And the, when this takes place, when Kaidish has an influence over the six days of the week, so what happens is you have an old man, what, what is it? an old man should not be running, right? and old, old people are slower by nature. Right, so knows the uh, put it this way: the kalim of the old man should result in a certain a twenty watt, twenty watt energy. But all of a sudden, Shem Baruchai sees an old man, so it's still a twenty watt twenty watt bulb, but it's running like a, like a young person. So that is that is the toy become to tikkun. That's a lot of energy contained in a vessel that is not that shouldn't have that much energy, and it's not being damaged by it. 
and it's not having to change. It doesn't. It, it, didn't see this old man turn young. He's still an old man, but he's an old man that's running like a young person, and he's holding two hadasim. And this is why Rav Kook goes on to talk about that the hadas and the myrtles represents the sense of smell. Sense of smell is always something that you can never really pinpoint or, or, or put your finger on. It's ruchni. It's, it's something mysterious. This is a mystery. How could Arisatoyo fit in the Kalim of Tikkun? I don't know. I don't know, but it's a mysterious thing, just like the sense of smell, and that's the light of Shabbos. Zachar Siyam Shabbos means to remember Shabbos in the six days of the week. Shalmar Siyam Shabbos means to guard Shabbos in its pristine, pristine place. To be in the cave, be out of the cave. And when Rishim Baruchai sees this, it's a simon to him that what? Chavivim Mitzvah Sal Yisrael, that mitzvah, the same Yid who's living in a farm, who's doing his Indian, Kafi Derech Eretz, but he's able to have a Chavivas, he's able to find the Ahava and the Yir and the Avoida of us in the cave, even in the mitzvah on their terms. Aris Tatayu, the Kalim Tikkun. That's what Rishim Baruchai is about. Now, Bez Hashem, next week, what we're going to see is the following thing. What can we do in our Avaidus Hashem practically, as we refer for Lagbar, but just in general, to sort of mimic this Inyan? That's a lot of times what, what, what our Avaidus Hashem is about, of, of making uh, the best uh, model that we can of what Geula would look like, you know, and our version of it to make this uh, transition from Golis to Geula as revolutionary and as seamless as possible. That's the position we're going to see next week, what this means, in more practical terms. Okay, we should be excited to, not have to wait till next week, we should be able to experience it. Amen.